So uh, it's good to see you this morning. Um, <clears throat> my name's Tim, one of the pastors here. Uh, and um, uh, we're going to start, well, we started last week. Wasn't it great to see Kieran preaching last week? It was brilliant. <laughs> loved, loved your message last week. Um, uh, and uh, we're going to carry on talking about prayer uh, for the rest of this month, really. Um, so 20 plus years ago, I, um, uh, at university, I studied... Um, 20 plus years ago? Oh, 20 plus years ago at university, I, I studied theology, uh, philosophy, and sociology. And at the heart of those subjects is this kind of um, desire, really, to understand humanity in, in one form or another. And, and I used to particularly enjoy like, the philosophy. That's kind of what I chose to spend most of my time doing is, is philosophy. And, and I enjoyed it because, you know, it, it was... It was a subject where there really wasn't any wrong answers, you know. Uh, so if you study maths at university and someone says, what's 10 times 100 and you're in exam conditions, there's only one right answer, but not so with philosophy, you know. It, it, it appears that any answer is okay. Every view is equally valid, which means you could just kind of get through the course and get a good grade because it turns out that my ramblings in my essays were equally valid as well. And so I used to love studying philosophy at, at, at university. And, um, and we would kind of look at topics like, um, you know, what's life about? Why are we here? Um, you know, what's the purpose of life? And, and one of the things that all philosophers had an opinion on was um, kind of what, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be human? And so you have like Aristotle, a great philosopher of like the fourth century BC, he, he once summed it up like this, that question, what does it mean to be human? He said, it's a characteristic of man that he alone has any sense of good and evil. And he went on to say that, you know, to be human um, is to pursue the good, which he talks about in terms of pleasure, actually. To pursue pleasure is what it means to be human. And then you had another philosopher called like uh, Rene Descartes, Anyone know him? He was kind of like a, a French philosopher, and he famously uh, put it like this, cogito ergo sum, which obviously you know to mean. Some people know it, yeah. I think, therefore I am. It's this idea that, you know, through our minds and our ability to think is what actually distinguishes us from, you know, animals and makes us humans, the ability to think. And then you had uh, Immanuel Kant, who uh, said that rationality... Uh, was what made us human. He claimed that our uh, ability to reason, to use logic, to uh, use our understanding is what separated us out from everything else and, and made us human. Now, there's elements of truth in, in all of those, I guess, all the different philosophies, but in Christianity, to be human is more than our ability to think, to know the difference between right and wrong, uh, good and evil. Uh, it's more than just using our minds to to reason. And as a Christian, I believe that um, there's only one fundamental truth about what it means to be a human, and it can be summed up like this. To be human is to pray. To be human is to pray. And, and what I want to do this morning, just kind of briefly, is, is spend some time unpacking what I mean by that statement. Why is prayer so fundamental to what it is to be a human, and if that's true, and I strongly believe it is true, but if it is true, then it means that prayer can't just be something that is on the kind of peripheries, on the, on the edges of our lives. If to, to be human is to pray, then, then prayer has got to play a central part in, in who we are and what, and, and what, we, what we do if we're going to flourish 
uh, in all that it means to be human. Um, and so we're just going to look at that this morning, and we're going to also look at some practical steps we can take to make that um, possible. So if, you, if to be human is to pray, we need to understand what prayer is and what prayer isn't. You know, over half the population of the UK, as Kieran said last week, 51%, I think, of adults in the UK say that they pray. It's, prayer is part of pretty much every religion. Even people that don't believe in God, you know, we know, say that they pray. Um, and, you know, one person put it like this, our language, our beliefs uh, are our own what unites us is our prayers to the divine, which are universal. Um, this is a kind of view that says, like, whatever you believe or whatever you don't believe, the prayers we pray and the purpose of prayer is kind of all the sort of the same. You know, this person goes on to say, you know, Hindu prayer, um, uh, Jewish prayer, Muslim prayer, uh, Christian prayer. It, it's all the same. It all has the same purpose, and it's prayer that unites us. But the Bible, is, the Bible is more specific than that when it comes to describing what prayer is. Um, there's two accounts uh, in the Bible that's recorded for us of, of moments when Jesus uh, spoke specifically about prayer. One in the Gospel of, of Matthew and one in the Gospel of Luke. You find them at the beginning of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're these books that really describe for us the, the life and the ministry, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And in, in Luke's account, when um, he has this kind of first-hand account of Jesus when he was going to begin to speak about prayer, and he, he records this. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, I, I find this uh, really interesting because these disciples were Jews. You know, they've been brought up in a Jewish culture where you would go to the synagogue to pray. And the person asking the question is not someone who's been brought up in a you know, secular society. He's not come from a family of atheists who have absolutely no concept of what prayer is. You know, coming to Jesus and, and saying, I've never prayed before. I've seen you pray. Can you, can you teach me how to do what you've done? No. Now, they would have known what prayer was. It's likely that they would have been able to recite prayers. You know, this is not a child coming to Jesus. This is an adult that has been uh, immersed and grown up in a culture where prayer plays a leading role, coming to Jesus and saying, teach me to pray. So on the face of it, it's kind of like a, it's a strange request. So, so why is he asking the question? Well, the only reason I can think of is because when this disciple saw Jesus praying from a distance, and maybe, you know, he, he snuck up to try and get a glimpse of what Jesus was doing and, and maybe just try and hear what Jesus was saying, <clears throat> he, would have, he thought to himself, what he is doing is very different from what I've spent my entire life doing. I, I thought I knew how to pray. I thought I knew what prayer was, but, you know, there's something about how Jesus is praying that's different. There's there's something about it that I've not experienced in all the years that I've been praying. If, if what I've just seen Jesus do is prayer, then I don't think I've ever prayed before in my life. And, and there's something about him wanting to grasp what Jesus has grasped in prayer. And then in Matthew's gospel, you get a kind of fuller account of this same moment when Jesus um, answers the disciples' requests and teaches them how to pray. 
And as he does so, what you get is, is Jesus not just kind of showing them how to pray. Um, you know, what you get is him teaching them what prayer is as well. You know, it's no point showing someone how to do something without really explaining why it is you're, you, they're doing it in that way or, or what is the purpose of them in doing it in that way. But at the same time, as well as teaching his followers how to pray, Jesus also wants to use this moment to help his disciples understand like how not to pray, pray, what prayer is and what prayer isn't. You know, there's a sense that he wants to take an opportunity to undo some of the things that people have thought prayer is, have made it out to be, to strip it back, all the different layers they've made prayer out to be, all the complications they've made it to be, and just marvel again at the simplicity and the, and the mystery of what it means to be human, what it means to, to pray. And Jesus, he says this, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, you have received, they have received their rewards in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. And so Jesus highlights um, two ways people pray that really isn't what prayer is about. And the first, he says, is it's not about being seen by others. He's not advocating that all kind of prayer should be private prayer. We know that Jesus prayed with his disciples. We know that the early church spent a huge amount of time praying together. We tonight are going to pray together as a church. You know, there's, there's huge power actually in, in praying together and with others. What he's getting at is, is the motivation behind people praying. You know, if our aim in praying is to kind of build up people's impression of who we are by the visibility of our prayers, then that's, that's not really what prayer is about. Jesus is saying, if that's your aim, then you've, you've missed the point of prayer. It's not some kind of tool in order to climb some kind of imaginary spiritual hierarchy. If people see me pray, then their opinion of me will increase. You know, they'll be more in awe of me. They'll respect me more, you know. I'll get a better standing in the, in the Christian club. If that's your motivation, then maybe some people will look at you differently, but that's all that's going to happen. There's nothing deeper that you'll achieve in prayer other than, you know, just your mouth might be saying something to God, but all that's really happening is, is your mind is focused on what other people are thinking of you. You know, I've got to be honest, I've been there. It's a very easy thing to get into, um, particularly, actually, as a leader, meeting with other leaders. You know, we, we have this thing... Uh, where we, we sometimes meet with... Our, we have a leadership conference where we host 500 leaders here. Uh, and, um, and then other times where we kind of just sit in a room with leaders. It is so easy just to kind of flick a switch and go into a mode of uh, praying. And your mo main thing, I'm, I'm praying to God. I've done this uh, more than once. I've done it dozens of times. I've stood up here and done it as well. It's so easy to do. You just kind of like, you're not actually focused on God at all. What you're focused in on is, 
is, is how what you're saying is going to be perceived. What other people are thinking of you. It's such an easy trap to, to fall into. And, and you're just, you're saying words and you're, you're thinking, okay, how can I say this that is going to, okay, I, I can't hear any amens. Uh, so this is probably not landing very well. You know, you're, you're doing a commentary in your head about what you're playing. There's, there's no focus on Jesus at all. And, and I, I've done that loads. And um, my, I dare say, some, I don't, I can, surely I'm not the only one. Please tell me I'm not the only one. Everyone's looking at you. What? That's how you pray? Get off the stage. But... And Jesus is saying, if, if you're praying just to be seen by others, you know, maybe that's not how you set out to pray, but if that's kind of what you're doing, just stop it. Just shut up, you know, because that's not what prayer's about. Not all prayer is prayer, and if you're praying to be seen by others, then don't do that. That's not what prayer's about. And the second thing he says is that prayer is not about babbling. You know, uh, Tim Keller, a writer and church leader in New York, he, he puts it like this, that babbling is, is to use empty and cold and impersonal words. He likens it to a kind of business tra- transaction of goods and services, you know. Um, and uh, I have a lot of things that I need God to do for me, and I'm just going to list them out. Um, and because of my many words, he's going to hear me. And Jesus, again, is saying... Prayer is not like that, you know. He's not saying don't ask God for things. Obviously, we, you know, with prayer and petition, we ask God for things. But the point is he's saying it's not this kind of, prayer is not this impersonal thing where if all you're doing is you're just coming before God and you're just like, um, you know, reeling off a load of things. It's like, you know, dear Lord Jesus, you know, you just got like this. It's just like, it's all coming out. I need this, I need this, I need this. You know, amen, thank you. He's saying, that's not what prayer is. It's not this kind of transaction somehow between you and God, as if like, it's not talking at God, Okay. It's not talking at God. And, I, and again, it's a, it's a trap. But we, I, I fall, and maybe this is just, you know, this is just the therapy for me. I'm just going to tell you like, some of my pitfalls. But this is, this is kind of often what we can fall into where, you know, we say we pray, but we, what we're actually doing is we're just spending time with God and just telling him all the things that we need. You know, 51% of the UK population say they pray. Um, people say they pray even if they don't know that there's a God. I don't know, even know if some of that is prayer because what they're doing and is, is what I often do is it's impersonal. It's just kind of coming to God and saying, this is the stuff I need. Cheers. See you later. And, and, and again, Jesus is saying prayer is not impersonal. It's not about just a whole bunch of words. It's not about wittering on about the things that you want, hoping that God will hear you because of your many words. It's not about eloquence. It's not about gaining people's respect. It's not a business transaction or, or, getting, or just going on and on at God in this kind of one-way dialogue. So if that's what prayer isn't, then what is prayer? And Jesus tells us, he, he says this, but when you pray... Go into the room, close the door, and pray to your Father 
who is unseen. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When talking about people that babble, Jesus says, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. What, what is prayer? And Jesus makes it clear. It's, it's simply this. It's relationship with God. Not any relationship. It's the way that we as children get to interact with our Father. Three times he says it. Pray to your Father who is unseen. Your Father sees what's done in secret. Your Father knows what you need before you uh, even say it. You know, it's, prayer is about spending time with our Father. You, know, you and I are created for relationship with God. That, that's always his intention. Right from the beginning, you, you kind of get a glimpse of it um, you know, in, in the creation story after God makes you know, mankind uh, in his image. The Bible says this, that one day Adam and Eve, they're, they're in, the, in the garden, and it says they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. You know, the garden's the place where where they lived, the place where they worked, the place where they enjoyed their relationship with one another. And, and God's just there hanging out with them. Not like a, a landlord that's come to kind of check up on his tenants and how they're kind of treating the property. He, he's not kind of come as, a, you know, some sort of business guy, company director visiting one of his clients. Um, no, he, he's come as a, as a dad that's coming just to spend time with his kids. And this relationship is, is not a cold, impersonal one. It's a warm one. It's a loving one. It's a personal relationship. He's walking with them in the cool of the evening. He's come to spend time with them in the garden. You know, when a, when a father spends time with his children, there's, there's often no particular agenda, you know, to get through. Sometimes it's simply just to be in the same room together. Sometimes you don't even need to speak to each other. You can just sit there together or, or walk together. And that's how God always intended it with, with us, his children. He, he intended that his relationship with us would be like a father to a child. And it goes on to say that on this one occasion, you know, Adam and Eve, they, they heard him and they hid among the trees. And God called out, you know, where are you? And Adam replies, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I, I hid from you. And they had hidden because they had done the one thing that God told them they, they weren't to do. The Bible calls it sin. And, and this sin would, would ruin their relationship between the child and the father. And, and because of their disobedience, they're, they're put outside of the garden, which was to be put out of relationship with the father. And, and then from that moment on, you know, humanity doesn't, really live in the way that it's created to live. Because to be human is to be in a, in a relationship with God, knowing him, being with him, enjoying his, his presence. And so from that moment on, humanity from generation to generation lives this kind of half-life, this half-existence. And then Jesus comes along, and, and he lives this perfect life. He, he lives without sin, and, and so he's able to enjoy this intimate relationship uh, with the Father, just as God always intended. And he's able to spend time with him and, and, and speak with him. And, and, and the means through which he does that is through prayer. He enjoys this relationship with his Father. 
And, and that's what this disciple sees when he, when he watches Jesus pray on his own. There's, there's something about it that he's never experienced before. A level of intimacy that, it, that he longs for. You know, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, that there's a yearning in all of us, whether we recognize it or not, for intimacy with God. Because that's what we're created for. And the problem is that we're not fully convinced that we can approach God confidently like a child approaches a father. So what we do is we just settle for something different. We settle for a prayer life that is just impersonal, a prayer life where we just kind of reel off a load of requests to God. We, we pray, but all the time we're still just trying to hide from him. And Jesus explains to them that in prayer, we, we don't need to hide from God anymore. You can come up close. You can enjoy a relationship with him. And Jesus said, it is, it, he says, it's about sitting in the room behind a closed door and enjoying the presence of the Father. He says it's about secret moments with the one who created you. It's about the possibility that you can spend time with a Father that created you, that knows you so deeply that you don't need to just babble on, just witter on about all the things you know because he knows you so much. You don't need to actually witter on about it. it. Just Sometimes you can just sit with him in the quiet, knowing that he already knows what you need. You can just walk with him. You know, some of my best moments when I just sit with him. You know, and I, I'm finding I, I do that more. I'm doing that more and more at the moment. You know, I wake up and I just, I just sit there. There's some of the pre- most precious times, actually, in, in prayer is just being still. And, 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 and Jesus comes and he says, you can, you can have those secret moments with your father. You can just sit with him. That's his desire. And, and that's what Jesus is doing in this certain place. That's what the disciple is, is looking at and wanting to experience. And that's what Jesus came to make possible for us to enjoy by, by fixing the broken relationship that we have with, with the Father on the cross. And Jesus has come to recover the life that we are created to live. You know, God our Father never intended us to walk through life on our own, to live like orphans trying to do the best we can. He, and, and neither was he satisfied with us just hiding from him in trying to relate to him in an impersonal way. Because to be human is to pray. His desire is that we, we have a relationship with God. You know, there's a bunch of theologians in 1646. They try to summarize, you know, what it is to, what, what the purpose of mankind is. And, and they just said this, a man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's, that's it. That's why you've been created. That's why I've been created, to, to glorify God, which means to, to worship him 
and to enjoy him. If man's chief end is to enjoy God, then it follows that to be human is to pray, because to pray is where we get to enjoy God together. And the only way that that is made possible to enjoy God is if we spend time with him. And, and that's the challenge, right? <laughs> that's the challenge, because we live in a culture where um, we're busy, and, and we don't have time anymore. And, and, and if to enjoy God is to, is to pray, then we, we've got to have time. But that's, that's the problem, is we, we don't have time. You know, in, in 2017, there was a, a massive um, survey that was done about people's eating habits. 11,000 people in the UK were, were surveyed and, and, and quizzed about what they eat and how they eat and, and all that sort of stuff. And the conclusion was made that we are a nation of snackers. Um, we, we like to snack more so than any other country in, in Europe. We eat four times as many crisps as the French and the Italians, um, by the way. The, the snack market is worth like 12.3 million pounds. You know, I, I love a snack. You know, I, I often, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but I love chocolate. I, I really do. Um, and uh, I, I love to snack. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll snack on the way back from places when I'm walking along. You know, I always will crack open a chocolate bar when I'm walking back from the dentist. <laughs> I always do. It's a bit of a celebratory thing. I just go, thank you very much. And, and I'll, I, but I, I like to snack as I, I walk along. I love chocolate. Toblerone's the best one if you ever want to buy me chocolate. Uh, Double Decker's, Fruit and Nut. Um, I love chocolate so much that I named my dog after one. He's called Rolo. I haven't really got time to tell you this, but it turns out Rolo likes chocolate as well, (laughs) which we discovered this week when he ate my posh Christmas chocolates. Uh, I had to take him to the vet and uh, and get him injected uh, so that he could vomit up all the chocolate that he'd eaten. Um, and I left him there, and, uh, and then they phoned me to say, he's done, it's all out of his system, you can come and collect him. I went and got him, and, and the vet said to me, hey, I took some pictures of his vomit, because it looked like really nice chocolate. <laughs> I'm like, who does that? I'm like, hmm, it was nice chocolate, it was my chocolate, it was hotel chocolate. Amazing. Um, so I like to chat, but I, you know, I also like, I've got a savory tooth as well, I like um, you know, chili-covered um, peanuts, I like kettle chips. Uh, I like all sorts of snacks. That's the problem. I have a sweet tooth, but I've also got a savory one as, as well. Um, and, um, and my guess is that you like to snack as well. 31% of people surveyed uh, said that they often skip meals, uh, and all they do instead is just snack. So that's the kind of culture we're living in at the moment. Now, snacking's okay, but it's not gonna, if, if that's all you're doing, it's not going to lead to a healthy healthy life. And the challenge is, in the busyness of life, we approach prayer in the same way. You know, we snack. We, our lives are so busy, um, so prayer just becomes like a quick bite uh, whilst we're on the move. An arrow up to God when my mind is preoccupied with something else. You know, there's nothing wrong with a, a snack. You know, the beauty of our relationship with God is that we can speak to him on the move in any situation Um, in quick moments, but if the purpose of our lives is to enjoy a relationship with our Father, and if prayer is the means through which that's going to be possible, then 
We need to find time to move from just snacking to feasting. If we're going to fully flourish in all that it means to be human. You know, the disciple wanted intimacy um, uh, that he saw Jesus having with his father. And, and, and Jesus could teach him, this is how you do it, you know. But there's no getting away from the fact that the only way that that is possible to enjoy is if you carve out time for it. And Jesus did, you know. And Jesus wasn't someone that just kind of sat around. I mean, he was an incredibly busy person. You know, get stories of, of Jesus, and he's teaching a whole load of people all day, and then he miraculously feeds 5,000 of them, plus, you know, men, plus women and children. And then before cracking on to something else, it says that he, he leaves the disciples, and he goes and spends some time to pray. It's this another occasion. He's in a town called Capernaum, and he spent the whole time just there teaching people all day. And then in the evening, it says they bring all the sick, and he, he heals all of them. And, and then he goes to bed at the evening, and he knows the next day is going to be just as full. But it, it says, it records for us, he got up early in the morning. He got up early in the morning because he recognized he can't just snack on the go. In the business of life, he, he knew that if he was going to enjoy a relationship with God, if he was going to be fully, if we're going to be fully human, then, then there's sacrifice, right? We've got to carve out those moments. Where are those moments for you? How is your life, fair life, as you come into 2020? Is it, is it just, are you just snacking? Or are you feasting? And it's a challenge. It's, it's, I, I find it a massive challenge, you know, because life is busy. For me, I, I, I'm, a, I'm an early morning person, so I'm, I'm trying to feast early in the morning. Not on chocolate, I'm talking about God now, <laughs> you know. I, I try and feast early in the morning, so I set my alarm uh, for uh, earliest so that I can get up before the house wakes up, and, and so I can spend some time just sitting with God. And, and I make a cup of tea, and I've got the same chair. I sit on the same chair every, every morning, and I put this rug over my legs like an old man, and I put my slippers on. No, I, and I, I spend some... But that's my time to spend. Now, what I, but what I've just, and, and they are hit and miss times. I, you know, sometimes I just sit there and, and I, don't want to, I don't know what to say. My mind's still asleep. But, do you know, I think half the, half the battle is just about showing up. I think that's the battle, right? And, and, and we've got to recognize we are in a battle. If, if prayer is how we develop a relationship with God, then, then the devil is going to do everything he can to try and make you not turn up. So half the battle is just showing up, whether you want to or not. So I, I get that. But then what I find is just everything will try and squeeze that moment out of my life. And so, you know, you know, situations change. Rachel got a, a new job, so she's getting up earlier. The house is getting up earlier. And so what I find is this time, I just, it's, it's squeezed. It's not happening anymore. And I feel the, the negative effect on it, of it. And so I intentionally set my alarm earlier so I can regain that time. I'm going to get up, you know, earlier in the morning because it's been squeezed. And then we get a dog, and, and, and the dog wakes up earlier with more energy than a toddler on Coca-Cola. And it's like all of a sudden, that time is squeezed again. It, it's like, you know, guys, we're in a battle. Everything is trying to squeeze out prayer. 
So you've got to constantly reinvent it. And so now I'm thinking, well, the morning, I'm, this morning I'm like, the dog's quiet. And I tiptoe downstairs. I'm like, I'm just going to get a bit of time with God. And I sit down. I'm like, no! You know? Every, so I've got to reinvent. I've got to find somewhere else to do that. Where are those moments for you? How are you doing it? Maybe you're not an early morning person. Maybe you're, you're an evening person. You know, maybe you say, well, I get, you know, life's so busy. Well, if you commute, stick your, can you stick your headphones on? Shut out the world for half an hour? You know, if I'm, if I'm truly honest, I say I'm busy, but I do manage to get through a lot of box sets on Netflix. There's a great one at the moment called This Is Us. It's brilliant if you want it. Um, you know, I, I do manage to, to look on social media. I, I do manage to check my emails. I do manage to go on WhatsApp. I, I manage all these things. I say I'm busy, but if, I, if you're actually to look at my life, <laughs> is the same true for you? I, I don't know. Maybe it is. But if prayer is about relationship with God and is to, if to be fully human is to pray, then guys, we've got to make some adjustments in our lives. We've got to stop... Uh, pretending we're so, so busy that we, we, we can't just do that. We, we've got to be intentional and carve some stuff out. Turn off the Xbox. You know, decide not to watch back-to-back when Netflix says there's another program, there's another one starting in five, four, three. You've got to, okay, I'm going to just, you know. Our time's nearly up, but what I want to encourage you is to be human is to pray. Because to be human is to have a relationship with God. And it's an incredible privilege. And I know that when I am not feasting, then I'm not living fully human. I feel the effect of it. I, I, I feel like I'm wandering around in life, but I'm not doing as okay as I should be. Because to be human is to spend time with God. And, and I just want to encourage you, as you start this year, wet, wet, stop. Snack, that's fine. But don't just snack. Learn to feast. Learn to do what Jesus did. To have intimate moments, moments with the Father. The disciple recognized it and said, I, I, I want some of that. I've, I've prayed, but I've never prayed, if that's what it is. He yearned for it. I think we all yearn for it. And there's nothing... There's no easy options. We've got to reorientate our, our lives, make some differences in our diary. Tonight, when you're sitting on the sofa and you look at your watch and think the prayer meeting starts in an hour, a battle will start raging. And you just, you know, I've got work in the morning. I work Mondays. And you kind of start, oh, I've got work and I'm feeling a bit tired. Win those battles. Because God desires a relationship with us. Why don't we um, just stand? We're going to worship for a little bit.